If you're new to the martial arts, then you probably have questions, maybe even as simple as, what am I going to be doing? What can I expect? What, what type of training are there? In, in the martial arts, there are different areas of training, no matter what martial arts you do. And even if you're not new to the martial arts, stick around, because I think there's something here for everybody. Hey, what's up? I'm Ken. This is Ken Fu TV, and each week I release videos on the martial arts, philosophy, technique, training, that sort of thing. So if that's the kind of thing you're into, I hope that you stick around. Hope that you subscribe and share this with somebody that you think might get value out of it, but mostly, I hope that you get value out of it. I release videos like this every Monday, these Ken Learns, Ken Fu, more philosophy style type thing. That's every Monday. Then throughout the week, I release videos from the dojo itself, the dojo sessions where we do more technique, application, training, training methodology, that kind of stuff. If audio is more your thing, this podcast is released on many podcast platforms, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, all of that kind of stuff. So go check that out if you like. Links in the description. And then lastly, if you want some sweet gear, Kenfu Merch at KenfuMerch.com. Link down below. I always really struggle with this part of the video because self-promotion is not really my thing, but a wise man once said to me, if you don't sell yourself, who will? So there you go. There's links to stuff. Now you know everything I'm doing. Let's get into today's video. Regardless of the art that you train, there's going to be different areas that of training that you do, different ways that you go about accomplishing, learning, and becoming better at the, at the thing that you're trying to get good at. Some of these might not apply across the board to every art, but most of them will. The first one is solo drilling. Solo drilling is anything that you do by yourself, especially with repetition. Drilling typically implies that you're repetitively doing something in order to get better at it. This sometimes happens on the mat, so when you go to train somewhere, you might do solo drilling on the mat where you're working a technique by yourself. That solo drilling is incredibly useful, incredibly important. I tend to be a little more on the side of, of solo drilling is best for when you're by yourself and partner drilling and working with people is something more valuable when you're in the dojo because that's one of the things that the dojo gets you is getting the chance to work with other people. But there's different traditions. A, a very traditional class might use solo drilling as a way to kind of measure how invested you are in your own training because a teacher's information is really only as valuable as it's received by the student. So if the student shows signs of just being interested in, in collecting and not really wanting to put the work in, then the teacher might not want to spend a lot of time with that person. That's, that's a very traditional approach, and so sometimes you'll see just kata practice or key home basic, basic drilling, that kind of stuff, with not a lot of instruction as a way of weeding out the people who aren't very invested in what they do. But in general, solo training is probably one of the most important things. It's number one on this list because it's, it's the most prevalent, I think, but it's also one of the ones that to me is the most important. Um, I train different martial arts, uh, many throughout the years, but primarily karate, uh, kabuto, jiu-jitsu, and eskrima. And my eskrima training specifically was up until the last few years has been almost exclusively solo training. I got a chance to work with my instructor and his group for a few months, and then they came back on the same night that I was doing karate. I was a little more invested in the karate thing. The eskrima thing was something I had picked up additionally, and so I had to cut it out. And 
all of my training for the years after that. I eventually linked back up with that group and linked back up with with the, with my instructor and his instructor and and continue going. And now I run my own school teaching that art. But for years in between, while I was working through karate and kabuto and that sort of thing, I was training at home solo, running through everything I knew, coming up with ways to work timing and speed and different things that you can do to make yourself better. It was invaluable. Any amount of skill that I have is largely due to that solo training time. My maestro in that art specifically said, that the art is a lonely one, and that's because we spend most of our time alone. The time that we get to train with people is is so much less than the amount of time that we get to train on our own. We have we can carve out little minutes here and there throughout the day, get up early, stay up late, do something on our lunch, do whatever, and we can continue to train, but finding time with another person is so much more difficult. Next up is partner drilling. Partner drilling is probably one of the most useful things uh, in general to making you better. A solo drilling I, I obviously care about very much and I find that it has incredible, incredible value. But partner drilling is when everything kind of comes into place. So you can drill your technique and you can find your way to failure, find out what works and doesn't work. When you're doing it solo, the person in your head usually is gonna let you win because you naturally wanna do it the most perfect way and you don't typically look at yourself from a position of failure if it's just you. Working with a partner, you get a chance to see what worked and what didn't work. Drilling it with the three partners, it was Hicks and Gracie. Hicks and Gracie, it was a video that I was watching, Hicks and Gracie talking about the three partners that you'll work with. You have the dummy, the person that just lets you work through what you're working through and, and is just kind of there for a body and, and not resisting in any way, just helping you work through the shape of what you're doing. Then you have the partner, the person who's going to resist you in the right way, is going to help you find what works and what doesn't work and help you kind of refine that. And then you have the opponent, the person who's going to resist you in a big way and try to make sure that you can't succeed so that you're forced to be able to succeed every time. When you're partner drilling, all of those, those different partners that you could work with exist, and uh, especially you need to be in, in charge of that. There are times when... Uh, for example, just the timing thing. You probably shouldn't start with an opponent. You should start with a dummy so that you can just work out what am I even doing before you ever try to do it to somebody who's trying to make sure that you don't succeed. That can be very demoralizing. So you kind of need to have that progression. Figuring out what you're doing, figuring out where it's weak, and then figuring out how to make it apply all the time. And that applies to literally every art, every every martial art. If it is a, a martial art, one that has a combative background, that implies that you have to work with other people. You've got to drill and, and become capable of working with other people because it means that it's applied to other people. So partners are naturally implied in all of the martial training that you're going to do. You have different arts, martial arts like Tai Chi. People would argue, hey, Tai Chi, I can go. That's technically a martial art, but it's done solo. Uh, but that's something that really depends on the teacher. Tai Chi is a combative art. It has combative principles, and that's something that you need a partner to work through. If you're taking a class that only works through the solo form and does not ever work with a partner, then is Tai Chi a martial art? Yes. Are you learning the martial art? No. You're, you're learning the, the mental health aspects of the art, the, the physical health and wellness parts of the art, which I absolutely appreciate. But if we're talking martial, then we're talking combative. And if you're talking combative, then there's got to be a partner involved. Next up is the big one, sparring.
sparring. Sparring has to happen. It's something that every art needs in order to take. This is sparring is typically what you would you would apply that Hicks and Gracie partner of the opponent to be suited for. That's the place where the opponent is, is when you're sparring. Sparring, typically, you're trying to to defeat the other person. You're trying to have success in what you're doing, and they're actively trying to have success in what they're doing, which means that you have to win. You have an opponent, someone who's trying to stop you. Having that live component of somebody who's actively trying to make sure that what you do doesn't work is such an incredibly important step that you really can't become good at fighting or applying your art without having some form of sparring. Sparring comes in many different ways. It comes in different dueling and point sparring and continuous sparring. You've got jujitsu rolling. You've got lots of different ways. The weapon sparring has different aspects and different elements. There's many ways to approach sparring, and I find that you really should probably have a combination of different ways of approaching sparring to make sure that you're leveraging how you do your art to the best of your abilities. When it comes to becoming good, in my opinion, a person who is good is not a person who is undefeatable. A person who's just perfect and everything always works. To me, a person who is good, a person who is great, is a person who can have something happen and then manage that failure to a success. It's not about never having a failure. It's about being able to manage failure happening constantly and still work your way to a success. The point is sparring, live training where things can go wrong and you can fail is incredibly important. And it needs to be a part of your art if you plan to be very good at your art. If your art is for for the social components, the mental components, the, the you know, spiritual and, and that sort of thing, then that's fine. You don't have to have sparring to, to have those things. Though sparring can be really fun and it can still give you a lot of that. But if your goal is to have some level of effectiveness, then you need to be able to manage failure and managing failure comes out of sparring. Next up is the one that I mentioned that kind of fills in the gap for sparring, where sparring doesn't have maybe some of that realism and some of that, that level of fear is is fighting. Fighting is not sparring. Sparring, you're agreeing to do it and you're doing it in such a way that that you're really getting to test out what you do. Your goal is to test out, test each other, test your technique, test whatever. Fighting is a different context. Fighting and a good example of of let's just put it in the UFC. Most people know what the UFC is uh, or some type of competition like that. Fighting is what they do in the octagon. Sparring is how they prepare for what they do in the octagon. Sparring, you want to work with each other and you're trying to make each other better. Fighting, you are trying to defeat the other person. Plain and simple. And so I, I kind of include this one because it's an area, depending on what you're doing, it's possibly in there. Not every art has it. Not everybody's goals include it. But fighting is specifically something where you're trying to defeat the other person. It's it's not a give and take. It is I am trying to overwhelm you, I am trying to win. I don't I don't fight. I do spar. I do train, I do partner drilling, solo drilling, all the other things that we're talking about today and the last one which is coming up, I do that as well. But I don't I don't fight. I don't fight for money. I don't fight for for fame. I don't fight for any of these situations where I got to go risk myself, my body, my my safety, all of that. Uh, in order to prove whatever I'm proving, prove that I'm the best, prove that I'm capable of what I'm capable of, 
to to prove that I can win, whatever it is, usually there's some level of, of proving that's taken place. For some people, sparring is, is more than enough to prepare them for anything that they'll they'll actually apply. If the sparring is done well, that's more than enough, and they don't have to fight. Choosing to fight is okay, but choosing to fight is a choice. Not everybody who goes through a Muay Thai gym is going to go and join Muay Thai tournaments or competitions or I actually sound kind of silly because I actually don't know what the maybe it's just a fight I don't know what the term is for for that but I, I don't believe that everybody that trains ends up doing that and it's just like not everybody who trains MMA makes it to the UFC or into the octagon they just train to to understand or enjoy that thing not everybody's going to go and fight with it and they are separate and it's important that we realize that fighting and sparring aren't the same okay and last up is teaching. Admittedly, if you're new to this, if you're new to your martial art, this doesn't, this one doesn't come up for quite a while. But teaching is a part of the art. The further you go, one of the areas that you're going to encounter is being able to pass that knowledge to somebody else. This is an incredibly important part of it because you will have spent all of your time learning how to do you, to do what you do the way you need to do it in order for it to work. Teaching is your opportunity to pass that on, and you might get lucky and work with somebody who learns and moves the way that you do, but you probably won't. You especially won't consistently and, and by and large in, in a group setting. So what teaching does is it forces you to take what you know and understand it deeper to be able to apply it to people who are not you, who don't move the way you do, who are good at things that you weren't good at or bad at things that you were good at, and you have to understand it. So there are certain things, for example, that that I could do fairly naturally, and, and I'm not bragging, there are many things that I could not do naturally at all, and I had to spend a lot of time working on them, but there are some things that did come naturally. So when it came time to teach them to somebody who didn't do them naturally, it forced me to grow in my understanding of what that thing was, because the only way to make somebody good at a thing that you never got a chance to learn is to learn it. And I say it exactly that way, because when you're naturally good at a thing, then you probably didn't have to truly learn it. You didn't learn it. You could just do it. Learning it is what you do when you can't do it. You have to learn how. So when you start to work with somebody who can't do it, then it forces you to fill in that gap where you didn't have to learn that thing to that level, and now you are. So it really expands out and makes you understand everything you have so much deeper. People ask questions that you've never had. People think about things you've never thought of, and it expands what you know. It takes everything that you're doing, and it makes it better, bigger, richer, and especially deeper in understanding. So teaching is one of the, the is the final thing on the list today of the ways that we train, the different areas of training. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope that that helped give some perspective into the different things that you might might encounter and the different ways that you might approach uh, different things in your training. No matter what the art is, all of these areas find their way in somewhere, except for usually, like I said, uh, fighting, not necessarily. Um, and in some cases, the solo stuff, like things like kata and stuff like that. Not every art has them forms that you that you do. But even shadow boxing and stuff like that is a way of solo drilling. And if you have preset combinations that you work, then kata is just a word. Words mean things. Kata is just the shape of something. And so if, if I do boxing and one of my combinations is cross hook cross, then that's my cross hook cross kata. So just because your art doesn't have uh, forms specifically doesn't mean that you won't have some certain 
shortcut, so to speak, some certain solo drills, solo forms that work well for you and help you train. Your, and your shadow boxing, also incredibly important. Fluid movement, being able to, to work through different things. Mixing that up with partners, sparring it to make sure that you get some live resistance, fighting if that finds what you do, and then teaching. All of this stuff is what you can maybe expect from your training and how all of this kind of comes together. And, and maybe you knew all of that, but maybe you didn't. And that's what I got for you today. Once again, you can catch the audio version of this on your favorite podcast platforms, your Spotify's, your iTunes, Anchors, any of, the, any of those things. You can do that if you like. Ken Lynch Ken Fu comes out every single Monday. Your dojo sessions where we talk technique and application and you actually get to see some of the teaching and the training that I do. Those happen throughout the week for members and also links down below for merch if you want to get some sweet shirts, stuff like that. That's it for today. I'm Ken. This is Ken Fu TV and I'll catch you in the next one.